This is the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now, here's Jason Jones. Aloha, everybody, and welcome to the Jason Jones Show. I am your host, broadcasting from your nation's capital, Washington, D.C., from Capitol Hill. And I'm here with Ruslan Kukashuk, who is a leader in the pro-family movement in Ukraine, which, by the way, has the largest pro-family movement in Europe. Ukraine also has the most vibrant Christian community in the former Soviet republics. We have been in, I am in, I'm in Washington, D.C. right now with the entire VPP, almost the entire VPP team. Marilis is here. Nicole is here. We are here battling for visas for our Afghan allies in the second anniversary of the withdrawal. You're watching a lot of news shows. They're talking about the Afghanistan withdrawal in past tense. What America did, what nonprofit organizations did two years ago to try to uh, mitigate the catastrophe. Well, Vulnerable People Project has never left. We've actually only grown in our activity every week, week after week, for two years. So in Washington, D.C., fighting for our Afghan allies, fighting for Afghan women, fighting for religious and ethnic minorities. But we are also battling back Russian propaganda that is trying to occupy the minds of conservatives specifically. And I met Ruslan while in Ukraine attending a huge pro-life summit with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Ukrainians from all over the country that came to Kiev. So I want to have Ruslan on. We're going to talk about some of the propaganda. We're going to talk about Russia's brutal war against the evangelical church in the occupied territories, the Catholic church, and also the Greek Catholic church. But before we do, you need to know this episode is being brought to you by Epoch Times. If you want to stay free, you have to stay informed. The very best newspaper in the world is Epoch Times, and you need to subscribe. There is a daily edition that is digital, a weekly edition that is print, and I get both. You need to get both. Go to iReadEpoch.com, use the code Jason Jones, and you get the very best rate for the very best newspaper. And if you want to stand with the most vulnerable people in the world, when the world is left, then you need to stand with us, the Vulnerable People Project, by going to thegreatcampaign.org and becoming a monthly donor. From the child in the womb here in the United States to the Uyghur and Chinese-occupied East Turkestan to our Afghan allies and safe houses in neighboring countries to the persecuted church in Nigeria to, to the Christians of Ukraine. When you stand with a VPP, you need to know that you are truly standing between the violent and the most vulnerable people on earth. That's thegreatcampaign.org. All right, here we go. My interview with Ukrainian conservative leader, Ruslan Kukachu. Ruslan, welcome to the Jason Jones Show. Oh, by the way, guys, we're sharing a mic in a hotel on Capitol Hill, so it's going to be a little bit of noise. I apologize for that. Ruslan, welcome to the show. 
Thank you, Jason. It's, uh, I'm really honored to be here in Capitol Hill and to know you in person and to meet you in person again here in, in Washington, D.C. It was a great pleasure for me to meet you for the first time in Kiev in uh, early June 2023. Right now, uh, many people are going out of Ukraine. So thank you for coming in Ukraine. It really matter for us. Uh, so you are really big friend of our nation, and we are very grateful for all your work and efforts you are doing right here in the United States, especially among conservative people who are Christians, who are for faith, for freedom, for life, for family, as we are in Ukraine. So I'm honored to be here, especially on your really famous podcast. Well, Ruslan, thank you for that. Now, um, before we get to the propaganda that comes right out of the Ministry of Defense in Moscow. And then I hear it coming from, from my friends' mouths, from outlets I've trusted in the past. Before we get to that and how that makes you feel, I, w- I want to address the truth, the unreported truth. Then I want to ask you why you don't think it's being reported. But the brutality of Russia to the evangelical church and the Roman Catholic church and the occupied oblast and the occupied territories. <laughs> You see, I'm a journalist. My profession is journalist. So for many years, I worked in a mainstream media as a political observer. And at the same time, I'm a Christian. And I want to say that there is like one common value for journalists and for Christians is truth. Really, we need to know truth. We need to love truth. And we need to spread truth. And the problem is, in Ukraine, we... we now I'm here in the United States. We do not ask American friends to make or to share Ukrainian propaganda. No, we just want to say truth, to share the truth. So thanks for that opportunity to do that. And you really lift up your voice here. It is not very typical for, for like such key conservative people uh, in this country. Yes, we need to know and to understand some key points about this terrible Russian invasion in Ukraine. Ukraine is, as you mentioned before, is the most Christian country among former Soviet Union republics. Ukraine is one of the most conservative countries in Europe. Just an example. For example, the biggest Greek Catholic church in the world is in Ukraine. The biggest European Baptist Union is in, in Europe, is in Ukraine. In Ukraine, we have a huge... By the way, interesting that even Orthodox people, the, like even Orthodox people, much more in Ukraine than in Russia. Like everybody says that, like Russia is like Orthodox country which protects Christian values. But we need to understand that even Orthodox people more in Ukraine than in Russia, the problem, which is much smaller in population. Yes, which is four times smaller in population, and I don't know how many smaller in territory, if we say. And also we need to understand that this Russian invasion, this Russian invasion in Ukraine, it is not only, first of all, uh, it is anti-Ukrainian. We need to understand that war in Ukraine, it is not another regional conflict. No, it is the biggest war in Europe after World War II. So this is key point I would like to attract attention of American friends too, that Ukrainian war is not another 
conflict. It's the biggest war in Europe. So we need to pay attention to that situation and we need to pray, of course, because we need God's miracle in these circumstances. Uh, if we say about that huge invasion, I'm, I'm staying in Ukraine with my wife and our four kids during all of this period, but few of my staff people, they are refugees around the world and a lot of volunteers as well. But we are staying in our country and also a lot of my friends, we are inside the country. At great risk, your house. Uh, tell folks what happened to your house with your family this uh, this month. Uh, yeah, just it was like May 30th, just a couple of months ago. Uh, the first point is there is no totally safe place in Ukraine right now. It doesn't matter. East, north, south, west. For example, Kiev it is about maybe 300 miles from the front line. But... For example, at the end of the May, Russian drone was, uh, he, it exploded just above our house where I live with, with my wife and our four kids and our windows were damaged, door was damaged. Now, right now, we are making a repairness process of our house. It was a terrible experience. Right now, we in Ukraine live in very difficult, in, in very, like, not very interesting, but like a kind of normalcy right now. In Ukraine, we sleep now every second night because Russians attack by rockets, by missiles, the whole territory of Ukraine every second night. So they attack, attack, then they like make uh, check everything and again every second night. So we sleep every second night and they attack every second night. It's a terrible situation right now in the whole territory. While I'm in United States right now, of course my family and wife and four kids, they are afraid to stay in Kiev, so that's why I brought them to the small town in the western region of Ukraine while I'm here. And on my back way after Warsaw airport, I will take my car and then go back, return, we'll pick up my family, and then we'll bring them to the Kiev, to Kiev as well. Uh, and uh, we need also to understand that it is very anti-Ukrainian campaign and anti-Christian war, because if we talk about occupied territories, uh, there is no religious freedom. Uh, uh, I want to emphasize, it, it's not a problem of lack of religious freedom, it is absence of religious freedom. So uh, churches are shut down, crosses are cut down. I just want to describe a very small example. There is a city of Melitopoli. It's uh, too close to the Sea of Azov. Sea of Azov is a southern part of Ukraine. So Melitopoli is uh, like it's an even it's it's a big city, but not even a regional center. Just in Melitopoli, maybe about one hundred and fifty thousand population. There are several huge evangelical churches. For example, the biggest one is about one thousand members, maybe eight hundred, like every Sunday attendees. But very interesting is this church. Its name is Melitopol Christian Church. This church has the most beautiful building in the city with fountains, waterfalls, palms. It's not very typical for Ukraine. Of course, it's typical for American mega churches, but it's not very typical for Ukraine. So it was really so beautiful. So just when Russian invaders entered Melitopol, they took this church, they closed it, they cut down the cross. There, there was a huge cross in the main entrance. They just cut down the cross, and now they transformed that church venue into concert hall. 
And another church building is transformed to police station, only imagine. And third church building is transformed to cinema. So it's like a reality that on occupied territories, churches are closed and church venues and buildings are transformed in anything else except church venue. As Bolshevik, as communist authorities did in early 1920s, in early 20th century. They took churches, cut the cross, and transformed the church buildings into depots, for example, or into library or into cinema, something like that. So our request, and of course our uh, we ask American people, and first of all we are very grateful for American nation, for American people, for praying for Ukraine, for support Ukraine, and also we ask you, just lift up your voices, at least for religious freedom on occupied territories. You, uh, we are very grateful that the United States as a nation really for a long time pay a lot of attention to religious freedom, for example, in China, in Afghanistan, in other countries. So my request is, and our request is, please pay attention now also to religious freedom, to absence of religious freedom on occupied Ukrainian territories. You bring up China, you bring up religious freedom. I want to get to the accusations that Zelensky's raiding churches. I want to address that. But um, you look at Russia's allies, China, Iran, North Korea, and Nicaragua. China, Iran, and North Korea, and Nicaragua. All of them are waging a war on religion. All of them. Now, Russia, Russia is waging a war on all religions but the Moscow-aligned churches, Correct. So they, but the Moscow Aligned Church is the mouthpiece or puppet of the regime. Is this true? Uh, uh, first of all, in Ukraine, no one church is forbidden. No one religious organization is forbidden. You see, there are like two Orthodox churches in Ukraine, like Ukrainian Orthodox Church and like Russian Moscow Orthodox Church. And there are problems with that Moscow, like religious organization, as we call it here. First of all, they can gather together. They can do their services even now when... But in fact, many priests, unfortunately, they behave as FSB agents in Ukraine. I mean, it's like... When Americans like Tucker Carlson act naive on this, but the FSB, KGB, and even before the KGB and the 1920s, is it fair to say by the late 1920s, the Moscow-aligned Orthodox churches were completely co-opted by Russian intelligence? Uh, interesting that uh, Moscow Orthodox Church, in fact, appeared in 1940s during World War II. So Stalin, in 1942, in 1944, Moscow Patriarchy was re- re-established because it was like almost forbidden after revolution of 1917 so by uh, russian patriarchy was reestablished by stalin in 1944 and the patriarch now it's not a secret wasn't he a kgb agent uh, i can i cannot speak about each of of each of them but yes a lot of priests and bishops they were and now i agents of KGB or FSB right now so it's a big deal so this why but even in spite of that fact that religious organization is not forbidden in Ukraine because they can gather together, they can do their services, but yes, of course, Ukrainian officials are making investigation, they enter to the church buildings, sometimes they found their, like, very crazy things, like Russian propaganda materials, or, like, immoral uh, immoral materials. So, yes, they are investigated, but they are not forbidden, and of course, uh, but anyway, Ukraine is really, really, uh, uh, honor religious freedom for the whole 
single period of, of, of its history. Uh, if we speak about churches, if we speak about faith, uh, on, on, on the whole territory of our nation, it's, uh, uh, it's very uh, important to, to talk about that. Well, and I just want to make this point clear. The entire conservative movement in the United States has understood since the 40s at least the role between the Moscow church, or as you call it, religious organization, Mm -hmm. and Russian intelligence. We've known this. But then you hear Tucker Carlson go on his show and then ask ask this question of our former vice president Mm -hmm. about religious freedom and the investigation of these Moscow-aligned churches. But... Does it frustrate you? You're, I'm a Catholic, but you're an evangelical. Tucker Carlson is a, is a Protestant. Does it frust? Does this, does this ring? Does this strike you as? Does this offend you? Does this hurt you? Do Ukrainians are they aware that like the evangelical Christian, evangelical Christian leaders, Protestant Christian leaders, and even even Catholics in the United States are parroting Russian propaganda? Yes, Jason, you are, it's true. We are, like, upset because of that. Because, uh, you, uh, as I mentioned at the very beginning of our talk, that there is very common value for Christians is to love truth. So just open your eyes, and when one country invades another country, killing thousands and thousands of people, what can we discuss about, my question is? So sometimes some people in different countries, maybe also here in the United States, they try to discuss that there is like some problems, everything is not so simple as you say, there are some reasons for Russian invasion. Believe guys, believe brothers and sisters, there is no reason to invade Ukraine. What does Putin want, somebody can ask? He wants, he suggested Ukraine only two options, to obey or to be destroyed. So we have no third option, to obey, to be included into new Russian empire, or to be destroyed. So we rejected that idea to be to obey, so now they are destroying us. So it is not about like a ethnical conflict, it's kind of war for independence. I think for every American person, especially for every American conservative person, this words war for independence matter. So now it's a war for independence in, in Ukraine. And we just ask you just to respect this normal desire to be independent, successful, Christian, conservative country. But you need to know Ukraine does not want war. Because I think somebody think somebody think here maybe that Ukraine wants to fight. Yes, we, we right now unfortunately we have to fight. But we don't know, we don't want to have a war. I just want to remind you that in 2014, when Crimea was occupied, when Donetsk was occupied, when Lugansk was occupied, Ukrainian territories, we did nothing to protect our territory. By the way, Obama administration asked us not to fight. I just want to remind. Because, because to avoid escalation, something. So we did not fight because we did not want to fight. Because we are peaceful nation, Ukraine, very peaceful nation. But so we hoped that Putin will stop. But no, eight years later, he decided to go on. That's a problem. No, you've listened. <clears throat> this is the problem. People trust us and they listen to us. I hear a lot of conservatives bring up the Minsk agreements, Minsk's one and two. And they say, Ukraine didn't abide by Minsk. 
but Russia never abided by Minsk. And Putin himself said there's no Minsk agreement. But what people forget is the Budapest Memorandum, that you gave up your nuclear weapons, you destroyed your air force, and you dismantled your rockets with the guarantee from the United States, Britain, and Russia that your borders would be respected. Now there are conservatives listening that are saying, well, but NATO relentlessly moved east. And I've been one of those critics. I've been criticizing NATO aggression since the 90s. And I believe that the, the Clinton administration botched a real opportunity to bring the former republics of the Soviet Union to be a genuine participant in the world economy and the family of nations for different reasons. But what a lot of Americans don't understand is that the reason why this, all these former republics that you would think, would you, if you were naive, would have a natural affinity to the former, you know, to Russia, because they were republics in the Soviet Union together, is because they had a legitimate fear that Russia always meant to move west. Can you explain that? I think a lot of Americans see NATO's aggression, NATO's pushing and prodding, or NATO's accepting the applicants from the east, but they don't ever ask, why do all of these countries so desperately want to be a part of NATO? Can you explain that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, first of all, I want to be uh, um, clear. We are very grateful to the Western world and to the United States as well for any kind of support you provide. Humanitarian aid, spiritual aid, prayer aid, weapon, we really appreciate that. But it's really important to remember that Ukraine had the third biggest nuclear potential in the world after the United States and Russia in 1994. So if we have that potential right now, Russia, of course, would not invade. But only because United States, Great Britain, and Russia, of course, demanded Ukraine, it was during President Clinton period, demanded Ukraine to, to give their nuclear weapon. We, gave, we did that. That's why uh, Ukrainian uh, nuclear weapon, Ukrainian planes, Ukrainian rockets are totally sold or broken because of Western demand. So now we have no like enough power, enough arms to uh, to fight for ourselves. So uh, in fact, first of all, Ukraine was demilitarized by by Western world. Unfortunately, yes, now we are grateful for that military support, but before it was a mistake. So, uh, and, and I want to say this. I'll say things that you may not feel comfortable saying or you may not feel. I'm what's known as an anti-war conservative. I almost got kicked out of graduate school for, for writing an op-ed calling for the dismantling of NATO in the late 1990s. And um, I saw that we had a real opportunity to create peace and stability in the world. Totally botched for short-term grifts, in my opinion. Um, but the reality is, I think our word should mean something. Our word to the people of Afghanistan should have meant something. It didn't. Our word to the people of Iraq. I opposed the invasion of Iraq because I knew we wouldn't have the foul through. I watched the same people that were like calling me a pacifist or all sorts of names because I didn't support the invasion of Iraq, um, calling me a neocon because I thought we should pay our child support bills for the chaos and ca catastrophe we left in our wake. It's the same thing. The Budapest Memorandum, we made a commitment we made a commitment with Russia and Great Britain to protect your borders. Yeah. And so you're thanking us and you're saying we're gratitude and people are always confused by my position. And I know as a Ukrainian, you probably don't like half of my position. 
I think we should continue to support you, even though I know the military-industrial complex is running a grift, but it's saving lives. I witnessed it with my own eyes, and it gave me pride to see our missile system, our, our Patriot systems intercepting every night missiles headed towards civilians in Kiev. Um, but we make promises we should keep them. And the world's going to become a very dangerous place for our children and grandchildren when the nations of the world know our word, word means nothing. And we're already seeing this in Africa and other places where people look to China and Russia. So I just wanted to make that clear. Like, to those of you who think, well, we shouldn't support them. This isn't our business. Or, or we caused this. That's the other thing I hear Americans say. They'll, they'll say, well, you know, they'll defend Putin by, and then criticize United States. Well, what does that have to do with Ukraine? If, if that's the case, Putin should have invaded Alaska or something. Or, 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 or his Marines should have landed on the beaches of Boston, you know, in Boston. I, I don't understand why people think it's acceptable. It's like if you're, mad at your na- if you're mad at your boss and you slap your wife, that's, what? This doesn't make sense. So for me, it's, I think a lot of, there, there are people on the right even who are, have been so embattled that they cannot think past their own problems and they no longer <clears throat> value uh, they no longer value our word. They, it's, they're dishonorable people. Yes. Uh, so unfortunately, uh, now, there, now there are some like suggestions. Uh, of course, I know you have an idea like ceasefire and then to communicate, but the problem is that now you, we have an experience of, of not fighting for our land of 2014, and that is problem. So we know not theoretically, we know in practice, then when you just allow that happen, so we allowed Crimea to be occupied and Donetsk and Lugansk. So we know that Putin will take a time after it to come in power again, and he'll keep going in like in three and four in, in, in eight years. So I want just want you to know that there is no city and no red line in Ukraine after which Putin will stop. No, he will take as many as possible. I want to repeat, Putin wants to take as many as possible. So very simple everything. Of course, his his dream is to come at least to the Dnieper River. Dnieper like divide Ukraine on uh, two almost equal parts. So his first dream is to come to the Dnieper River, which is divides the whole Ukrainian territory. And then further, if possible, for example, Odessa, like a huge dream of Putin, it's a right side of Kiev. It's like a right bank of Dnieper River. It's like close to Moldova, close to Romania border. So he has no red lines. He will do, he will do everything. Ukraine will allow him. West will, will allow him, unfortunately. So, yes, the situation is very difficult. I really understand there is no simple solution of it because this, Russia is the biggest country in the world. Russia has a huge nuclear weapon, but unfortunately we have no another way how to behave than just to protect our land and our families. Yeah, I feel like some conservatives think, why doesn't Ukraine just allow themselves to be immolated and wiped off the face of the earth? I don't know if you know this, Putin said in the first weeks of the invasion, he used a Russian expression, which means if your children are listening, turn it down for three seconds, okay? Uh, The expression means to rape a corpse. And he said, I'm going to rape the corpse of Ukraine in, in, in this Russian expression. Um, Alexander Dugin, um, who promulgates a very wicked ideology, 
called Eurasianism, said that they want to wipe the Ukrainian people off the face of the earth. Other Russians say there are no such thing as Ukrainian people. I hear Americans say there are no such thing as Ukrainians. Ukrainians are just Russians. Um, explain this to us. Ukraine is a, one of the biggest nations in Europe. We have about more than 40 million population. It's one of the biggest nation and the biggest territory in Europe. After Russia, of course. So just want to say again, Ukraine is the biggest territory in Europe before 2014, of course, uh, before Crimea was occupied, and the one of the biggest population in Europe. Kyiv is the most ancient city. By the way, the reason why Putin wants to occupy Kyiv is not only economical or political reason. It's, for him, it's almost religion reason because Christianity came from Kyiv to that territory, to that region of Central and Eastern Europe. Civilization came from Kyiv. First university appeared in Kyiv. So for Putin, for Putin, just very so Putin does not. Ex, uh, Putin understands Russian Empire cannot new Russian Empire cannot exist without Kyiv because everything started from Kyiv. Christianity, civilization, and even, by the way, even the first Russian ruler, owner, is like a key, key, the son of Kiev ruler. Uh, so, in fact, in fact, in fact, even Moscow was established by Kiev, uh, uh, the Kiev dynasty, uh, I mean. So, that's why, uh, but for, for normal countries, it's not a problem not to be first. For example, for American nations, it's not a problem that Great Britain was first and the, a lot of people came from Great Britain, Britain and established wonderful... Yes, a lot of countries and they created wonderful new countries. And for them, you are not like... It's not a problem for you to be the second or the third. But for us, it's a problem that they are not like established, a creator of this Eastern civilization. Kyiv is, of course. So that's why they want to occupy Kyiv, and that will allow them to feel themselves as a historical Christian nation in that land. I wish people could see what I see. They couldn't see you. When you talked about how Kyiv and Ukraine is the source of Eastern civilization, you were beaming with pride. Yeah. Yeah. This is this kind of... Yes, it's really like a source of civilization. And it's a, it's a problem for them. During the Soviet period, so you, you know there is like a historical term, Kiev Rus, Kiev Rus. And your name is Ruslan. Where yeah, is name? my name is, name, Ruslan is like true name, like a native land. Uh, it, it's mean lion, like okay. in, in, in uh, uh, this name. So, so in fact, Rus is Ukrainian, is to be honest, historically. So because Rus began from Kiev, so Kiev like a, like a, gave a birth to that civilization in Eastern Europe. So that's a problem for him. It's not, no problem, it's not a problem for Americans, for New Zealand, to, for Canadian people, but it's a problem for Russia. So that's why he wants to occupy. So it's a mysterious, it's a almost religious reason. The problem is Putin has a mission. So he does not, he does not, like lead this war only because of territory reasons, because of uh, gas, oil, or land. Yes, of course, as well. 
But the first reason, he is a person with a mission who want to rebuild Russia empire, who want to occupy a lot of territories around it. He recognizes himself as a Peter the First. He just proclaims it loudly, publicly. He even does not like hide that idea he he promotes. So, so Ukraine is a huge nation with huge uh, uh, population, and Ukrainian language is one of the most spread language in the world. So tens and tens of millions speak Ukrainian. So Ukraine is, is a nation uh, which uh, uh, so big, so big and have, has a right, right to exist as a nation and... As a country, of course. Can you tell us, and we only have about five minutes, we're going to do the Sebastian Gorka show. We've been doing, for those of you listening, we've been doing a lot of TV shows. We just got back from Capitol Hill. We met with Congressman Chris Smith. Yesterday we had a meeting with Ambassador Brownback. So we've been been doing a lot of work. We're both tired, but I wanted to get an interview with you face-to-face. We'll interview you um, over Zoom in the future. But um, tell us about the, I want to talk about the Holodomor. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about Russian ethnic cleansing that goes back generations and the linguistic um, cleansing. So you're saying it's you know it's tens and tens of millions of people speak Ukrainian. By the way, I've tried to learn. It's it's a it's it's and I'm also learning Dari. It's more challenging than Dari. It's a very 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 like I know I butcher your name. I apologize. It's a very challenging language. Um, but maybe if we can wrap up with talk to us about the ethnic cleansing, the Holodomor, the great engineered famine by Russia against the people of Ukraine also the linguistic cleansing, and then maybe whatever your final thoughts, then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, the history of anti-Ukrainian persecution is very huge, beginning from the Russian Empire period, of course, I mean, 18th, 19th century. For example, in in 1863 and 1876, there was like two bills in the Russian Empire which forbade Ukrainian language because like part of Ukrainian territory was a part of Russian Empire. Forbid. During Soviet period as well, especially at the very beginning, if we uh, remember that Holodomor you mentioned, or famine as you call it in, in the United States, it was 1932-33. More than 5 million of Ukrainian people were killed because of absence of grain it was like handmade famine there was not reason ukraine land is one of the most i mean soil one of the most rich soil in in europe so now we have a lot of grains for export as well but in 1932 bolsheviks i mean communist uh, marxist authorities and powers they just took all grain from village people from farmers and that's why more than five millions of Ukrainians died because of famine. Then another famine in 46, 47. So for the whole period, for the long history of 19th and 20th century, a lot of Ukrainians physically were killed. And by the way, I would like to to remind that if we speak about, about World War II, the biggest front lines, the biggest battle, one of the biggest battles took place on modern Ukrainian territory. So even during World War II, a lot, a huge number of Ukrainian people were killed. So unfortunately, and after 19th century, after Holodomor famine of 32, 33, 46-47, anyway, more than 50 millions of Ukrainian people lived on Ukrainian territory 
1991 when we accepted when we received our uh, independence from the Soviet period. So this was a terrible period of that 20th century, and unfortunately, Russian Empire just want us to stop exist. The problem is Russia want Ukraine to stop exist. Very, 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 very simple request they have to us, and that is a bad idea. We does not accept it. And people, I know that they don't believe this, right? Yes, it's difficult to believe. It's they don't believe this, but yet China is wiping, is wiping the Uyghur off the face of the earth. Is that hard to believe? Um, Khartoum in Sudan is trying to wipe the Dinka and the Nuba off the face of the earth. Is that hard to believe? Why? Why? Why have people created this KGB officer? How do they have in their mind that this man wouldn't have genocidal aspirations when his allies? Are China, Iran, Nicaragua, and, and, and yeah, the, the, this is the team. Uh, it's a true genocide. I will to to emphasize: it's a true genocide. It's war, first of all, and genocide. Tens and tens of Ukrainian children are kidnapped and removed to another country, like Russia. Uh, thousands of Ukrainian civil people are killed. My friend, board member of our organization, Siraza Movement, this civil pro-family movement in Ukraine, our board member, Vitaly Vinogradov, is killed in a butcher. He was just a civilian who was just walking in early March trying to escape to butcher to enter the Kiev to save his life. But he was just killed outside when he was just walking. So they killed a lot of civil people. They just want to kill Ukrainians without any reason. I totally understand when you hear that, it is impossible to believe. Like, it is impossible in the 21st century in the center of Europe. But unfortunately, it happens right now. And I'm going to be blunt. I think a lot of times we're like, okay, we see Chinese doing this, but we don't see Russians doing this. But the greatest genocides of the 20th century were actually... And this is because of the communists and the left in America. They set the table for this. Because all of Russia's crimes, the crimes when there was the czar, the crimes when there were the communists, but they were still the same crimes. Mm-hmm. But when they were with the communists, those crimes were hidden. In fact, the New York Times during the Holodomor, yeah. a very famous case, the New York Times actively worked to hide the genocide. Actively worked to hide the genocide. It's a really a great travesty. Um, and so I think people find it hard to believe that Russia would attempt to do a genocide when there have just been pauses in a relentless campaign of genocide against Ukraine. That's just the sad truth. Yeah, they cannot understand how the people of Tolstoy and Dostoevsky, how the people of Tchaikovsky can do that. I cannot, I don't know how, but they are doing that. And, and unfortunately, a lot of Russian civilians support that. Of course, because of Russian propaganda in media as well. So like my like last call to action, so pl- please trust me. I live in Ukraine. I'm, I, I'm Ukrainian. I live in Ukraine even now through the whole war period. This war is very simple to understand. When somebody tried to explain you that this is war is very difficult, there are a lot of reasons, you do not understand nothing, don't cover the topic, it is very... No. Trust me. This war is very simple. 
One huge country invaded another country and suggested two options, to obey or to be destroyed. Believe, this is problem. And that's why we fight. So we just ask you, please, thanks for your support. Keep doing your support. Any kind of support. I think a lot of American family right now, except in Ukrainian families, it's really matter a lot. A lot of, like, providing humanitarian aid, weapon, like, lift up your voice in media as well. Please pray for Ukraine. So, yes, we pray, we fight very bravely, but we need God's miracle. So, I'm as a Christian, and we are Christians and brothers and sisters. We really understand that we need God's miracle, and we hope he has a good plan for us. Thank you. Thank you, Ruslan. I wish we could have interviewed you for hours, and we're going to. We're going to do a long three-hour epic interview, but we're going to go on Sebastian Gorka's show, which was the number one goal for me when I knew you were coming to this country. I cannot wait to come back with you to Ukraine. I, I, I did not want to leave last time I went. All right, guys, for you are those things. I actually want you, I want you to ask your help directly this time. First of all, let me tell you what you have been doing in Ukraine. From the very first days of the war, we evacuated people from the east. Um, we evacuated religious orders. Thanks to our donors at the Vulnerable People Project, we were able to partner with Solve Care and set up an 800-bed shelter for young orphan girls that were uh, potential targets for human trafficking, human sex ex- exploitation and trafficking. You helped us do that. You helped us set up medical missions on the borders with Poland in the very first days of the war when Poland was being overwhelmed. We cannot thank you enough for that. You allowed us to purchase vans to evacuate people to assist in landmine removal. You purchased landmine removing robots to our donors. Thank you for that. Um, You've also worked in sending medical missions to the borders and the front lines. But this is what we need right now. We were just asked to help a doctor buy a new car. It's going to cost us $2,000. She lives in Lviv, and she goes back and forth to Zaporizhia between serving her community in Lviv to driving all the way to the front to working on the front lines. She needs a car. We're going to buy her that car. We don't have it in our budget, so we need your help. Go to thegreatcampaign.org. Somebody, one of you, right now, and some of you are my friends. I know who you are. I should just call you because you shouldn't tell me you listen. But $2,000 at thegreatcampaign.org, if you did that, you just bought a car. Um, our, our good partner, Chalice of Mercy, has an arrangement with medical supplies for $25,000 if we pay the shipping, VPP pays the shipping, that allows us to ship $2 million in state-of-the-art um, medical technology. To, and if you were to see, if you would have, could have seen what I saw when I went to Ukraine, if you could see the photographs that come back from our medical teams, your heart would break, but it would forever change your imagination and it would shatter your mind. And, and I don't want people to see these things. But for $25,000, I know there's one person listening right now who's like, I can do that. You would send $2 million in medicine to the front. Um, we at the Vulnerable People Project are committed to serving the most vulnerable people in the world when the world is left. We're in Nigeria, we're in Malawi, we're in Afghanistan. We're in Chinese-occupied East Turkestan. We are in Ukraine. And by we, I mean you. Um, our mission is to stand between the vulnerable and the violent. Please do that. Ruslan, we got to go to a show that's much bigger and more influential than the Jason Jones show. Um, and Seb- Sebastian Gorka is much better looking than me. But we're going to head on over to Sebastian Gorka. Uh, guys, go to thegreatcampaign.org. Please become a donor. Not all of you can do 2000 Of course, most of you, me, most of us can't do 25000 Somebody can. Some of you can but we can all do $2 a month, $5 a month. Please become a monthly donor. Please give your best time gift. Uh, hopefully I'll do a show this week with Marilis and Nicole so you can kind of hear what we have been up to. It's been a really, really big, busy, exhausting week. 
uh, for the Vulnerable People Project. All right, until next time, which I hope is tomorrow. Yeah, I know you hear me say that a lot, and then I'm gone for two weeks. Until next time, the Jason Jones Show. This has been the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Thank you.